Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, his name was Joe. You'd see him standing on the street corner with a a cardboard sign that had scrawled on it. Um, No home, please help. And from his wild hair and his unshaven face to his tattered shirt and stained pants and looking down at his feet the shoes that were a size too small and were already worn out, you knew that, that this was for real. And, and if, by chance, you had any doubt that, that maybe he was just dressing the part so as to get a handout, uh, you know, and, and scamming people, all you would need to do is walk within 10 feet of Joe and that pugnant smell of cheap wine and body odor would be enough to let you know that he hadn't had a shower or a change of clothes for a very, very long time. He had nothing. He had no family. He lived on the streets. He was begging for money so that he might just get a morsel of food for his stomach or what happened more than likely, or more often than not, getting him some money so he could get his next drink. One day there was a family that drove by Joe, and instead of looking away when they came to the corner where Joe was begging, as you know many of us do, they actually stopped. They got out of the car, and they talked to him. And then this family did what no other family has really ever done for Joe. They invited him to come home with them. When Joe got to their house, he was able to to strip out of the filth that he had been wearing for who knows how long and get a hot shower. He was given new clothes. He was able to shave, trim his hair. The family had a guest bedroom, and they invited him graciously to stay there. And while he was there, they were able to enjoy meals together The dad set him up with a job in his company so that that Joe now was gainfully employed. And over a short period of time, Joe really became part of their family. And the transformation, boy, it was as stark as night and day. If you were to see a before and an after picture of Joe, you'd, you'd wonder if it was really the same person. He went from a guy that had no home, no family, no job to one who was part of a home, adopted into a family, and had meaningful work to do. The grace that this family had extended to Joe and continued to show to him quite literally changed his life. Joe was a new man. Then one night, Joe got the itch. See, earlier in the day, he drove by one of the liquor stores that he would often frequent to pick up drinks when, uh, when he had enough money to pay for them from begging. And now in his new room, in the dark, all alone with his thoughts, he started licking his lips. He tossed and he turned in his new comfortable bed. That didn't help. He couldn't sleep. So he got up and he started pacing back and forth in his room, wrestling with his thoughts and, and trying to rationalize what he was uh, longing to do. 
Now, he didn't want to go back to his old way of life, but he figured that one little drink wasn't going to hurt much, would it? Well, the draw was too strong, and he wanted that drink, so he quickly got dressed, and he he quietly slipped out of his room, and he started down the hallway toward the garage. Just before he made it to the garage, the man who took him in saw him. He called Joe over to the dining room table. They sat down and they began to talk. And Joe confessed what the man had already guessed, that Joe was going out for a drink. Out of love and care for Joe, this man reminded him of the fresh start that he had been given. He pointed out all the benefits that that this new life that he was now livingly, living uh, currently had. He lovingly warned him that going back and even just having one drink would be detrimental not only to his own health, but would put a strain on the relationship that Joe now had with his family. And after all this, the man and Joe prayed, and then together they weathered the storm of the night. We see a picture, a storyline that's, that's similar to this one with St. Paul and the churches that are in Ephesus. When Paul arrives in what is now modern-day Turkey, he is greeted with a sight that would have been to him as off-putting as Joe would be to many of us. Paul was a Jewish man, a former Pharisee. He was a man who would not suffer false worship nor filthy, dirty pagans in the shameful ways that they used their bodies in attempt to garner favor from false gods. To any devout Jew, the city of Ephesus was a festering stink pot of immorality and idolatry. But see, Paul was different. Paul knew that he himself was like Joe. Not that he was homeless and he was begging, but but that he had filthy garments of his own righteousness in trying to uh, follow the law. His shame was not in strong drink, but was in, in persecuting the church. And he, like Joe was shown mercy and grace, not by someone who was driving by and happened to take him in, but by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. He's a new man. So having been baptized into Christ, Paul is now living as an apostle, an an ambassador of God's mercy and grace. See, not just to the Jews, but to those filthy, dirty, adulterous idolaters who are not part of God's family, no fellowship with God's people, no citizenship in God's kingdom, no inheritance with the saints, and no hope in the resurrection. It's to them. The Spirit of God led Paul to proclaim Christ to the citizens of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a religious and a spiritual city, as many people in this day and age like to talk about religious and spiritual. Some time ago, a meteorite fell from from the sky, and the people in the city took it as a sign that Artemis had chosen Ephesus to be sacred. 
And so they built this massive temple to Artemis, one that was four times bigger than the Parthenon that we can visit in Athens. And it's in that place that they worshipped. Now the thing with Artemis is that Artemis was supposed to be a god of fertility. And if you wanted to gain her favor, you would visit the temple with a sacrifice, and then you would join your body with one of the hundreds of so-called priests or priestesses. Their act of worship is what Jews and Christians believe reserved is only for husband and wife. But see, for the citizens of Ephesus, adultery and idolatry, they were their way of life. It was their religion, and they were zealous for it. Now, instead of keeping a distance with such people, Paul invited them to hear the good news of Jesus. He showed them and proclaimed to them the way, the truth, and the life. He baptized them into the family of the name of the triune God so that they would be washed of their sin and they would join in the fellowship with God's family. Those Ephesians who were baptized and believed, they now had a new life. They were new creations. They were new people. They were in Christ, and so they were called to walk in his light. Just like Paul before them, and similarly to Joe in our story. But like Joe, these Ephesian Christians struggled. Now, they didn't have to drive by the liquor store to meet with temptation. They simply just had to step out their door. They were surrounded by the sights of little carved idols of Artemis. They could smell the burning of incense and the sacrifice wafting down from the temple. They could see their neighbors making their way to worship, and they could hear their enticing invitations to join them once again. Oh, come on, you can join one more time. Don't worry about it. One time's not going to hurt anything, is it? The Apostle Paul sees what's going on. He knows where they've been. He knows the pressures that they face, and he knows their temptations. And while there's no dining room table for him to kind of invite and have a a talk around, he has paper and he has ink, and so he writes his brothers and sisters in Christ to remind them who they are and whose they are. He writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But look, sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness, it must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Oh, come on, one time won't hurt. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Do not be joined with them, united to them. For at one time you were darkness, but now 
you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's as if Paul is saying, look, in Christian love and concern for you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I implore you, darkness has no fellowship with light. You are baptized. You are clothed with Christ's righteousness. Do not dare to put on those filthy rags again. You're baptized. You are united as the bride of Christ. Don't even think about being wed to another. You are baptized. Live as baptized believers of Christ. Don't return to that foolishness of idolatry. Live instead in the wisdom of Christ. And live out the wisdom and will of God expressed in the commandments. You know the Ten Commandments that you all learned in confirmation class? Forsake adultery and flee from idolatry. Love and respect the spouse that you have been united with. And don't believe the lies that union with a temple prostitute will gain you favor from a false god, Artemis. Instead, see it for what it is. It's just based gratification of the flesh and it's worship of an impotent God. Look carefully at your whole manner of life. Let it be consistent with who you are and whose you are. Walk in the light of Christ. So says Paul to the saints at Ephesus who were tempted to gratify the flesh and conform to those pressures that pressed hard upon them. Oh, but that was then, and this is now. But I ask you, has anything really changed over the years? I mean, has the world progressed so much that, that we don't have false gods anymore? Well, I suppose maybe the temple of Artemis is gone, but, but hasn't it been replaced with so-called gentlemen's clubs, night moves here in town or something like that? Even the images that are pulled up on your computers or your phone screens in your own homes? Is there any shortage of strong drink and drunkenness and debauchery these days? The venues for worship and the names, well, they've probably changed. But the false gods with their lies And their broken promises still exist. Just as the saints of old needed the good news of Christ to give them a new life, a new life of denying the false God of self and following after Jesus in faith and love, well, we need the same. We need the messengers of God's grace and mercy. We need the call to repentance and faith. We need the rescue and the redemption and the new life that are ever and only found in Christ Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Now look, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm no Paul. But the Lord has called myself, Pastor Beck, all your pastors here to this place to serve in this same way. We are to point you ever to Jesus, exhorting encouraging and teaching you to live a life worthy of your calling that you have received. And what's that calling? Well, the calling is the same as the saints, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in, in Ephesus. 
You are a baptized child of God. You were once in the darkness of sin and death, but now you are in the light of Christ and his forgiveness. Once you were an idolater and an adulterer, but now you worship the one true God and you seek to honor him with your body. Once you were a person with no help and no hope in this world, but now you call upon the name of the Lord in every trouble, And you look forward to the resurrection of the life that is still yet to come. Once you were blind and you were stumbling in the foolishness of your sin, but now you walk by faith in the light of Christ. Once you spoke with crass innuendo, but now you sing psalms and spiritual hymns to one another. Once you were not a people, but now you belong to Jesus. Once you were without a home, but now you find your home. In the Lord, you are a baptized child of God. It is the prayer of your pastors that the Holy Spirit bring this to your mind when you face temptation or trial of any kind. Our culture's attitude on worship, on sex, on drinking, just about any other aspect of life, is not in line with God's good intent. Instead, seek refuge in his word and cling to his good and holy wisdom. Know and trust his commands and his promises. When you find yourself in a position like Joe, don't go at it alone. Talk about it, confess it. Find consolation and help in a brother or sister in Christ who will remind you who you are and whose you are and who will pray with you and who will weather the storm with you. When you find yourself falling to temptation, don't ignore it. And for heaven's sake, don't try to justify it. Repent from it. Confess it. And hear the good news of Christ for you. Take it from St. Paul. Hear it from these two Joes up here. For indeed, Christ is for you. He walks in your shoes and he knows what it's like. He has washed you with his blood. He feeds you with his flesh. He empowers you with the Holy Spirit. He is yours and you are his. Walk ever in his light. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.